Longhorn Nation, we're back. Locked on Longhorns. Time to turn up the heat. You are Locked on Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Glad to be back. Shout out to my one subscriber on YouTube that said, what's up with Jonathan? Uh, nothing really was up with Jonathan, but I do appreciate the comment. Uh, believe it or not, I just feel like I didn't have much to say. But it's the University of Texas. Something's always going on. And I'm glad to be back in front of the mic doing what I love to do, which is talking about UT athletics. So today we're going to talk about why Texas has the best offense in college football. But most importantly, why you should worry just a little bit less about this offensive line going into the 2022 season. Of course, we have to talk about the newest Texas Longhorns, Spencer Shannon, three-star tight end who committed to Sark and the Longhorns. And we have to talk about our women and how they fought against Oklahoma in the Women's College World Series in softball and the men who are headed to Omaha to represent Texas once again in the College World Series. But let's start with this offensive line. Because when I said Texas had the best offense in college football, you didn't really think nothing of it because you probably believe that too. And if you don't believe it yet, you will. And if you don't plan on believing it, you at least think there's a possibility that we have the best offense in college football. But when I said that about the offensive line, I don't know if you agree with me. It's my job as a podcast host to get you as close to my side as I can. So here goes. It starts with a simple premise that the best players in high school turn out to be the best players in college and the best players in college turn out to be the best players in the NFL. I looked at the offensive line class we brought in, but I said, what does it really mean? Because as of right now, it's just a good class on paper. But what does bringing in a top class really mean? What does bringing in the number one offensive lineman in a class really mean? Well, I'll start by answering that. Bringing in the top offensive lineman in a recruiting class means that you're adding an NFL player to your college football team on your offensive line. May sound crazy, but I have the data to back it up. Number one overall prospect in the 2020 class, offensive line-wise, Paris Johnson, projected first-round pick in next year's draft. In the 2022 draft, Evan Neal was a top-ten pick. He was the top offensive lineman in the 2019 class. 2018, Nicholas Petit-Ferri, third-round draft pick by the Titans. 2017, it was Alex Leatherwood, first-round draft pick. 2016, it was Greg Little, second-round draft pick. The number two lineman in that class, Jonah Williams, first-round draft pick. 2015, Martez Ivey, signed to the Patriots practice squad, never took a snap but did make it to the NFL level, currently playing in the CFL. 2014, it was Cam Robinson, three-year, $54 million contract extension with the Jags. He's on his second contract, playing and thriving in the NFL. 2013, 2012, 2011, 2010, it was all the same story. And that's not including the other offensive linemen in the class that made it to the NFL. These are just the number one offensive linemen in each class has made it to the NFL every single time since 2009. The last person not to do it was Mason Walters from the University of Texas. But that was in 2009. 
So I just gave you a decade's worth of data, basically telling you that Devin Campbell is an NFL player. Now, of course, there's some things that have to happen for him to get to the NFL. Everything has to go smoothly at the University of Texas. But I don't know if it's 24-7's recruiting rankings and how accurate they are. But for the last 13, 14 years, the number one overall recruit, offensive line-wise, in each class for 14 years has made it to the National Football League. So what that tells me is Devin Campbell is an NFL player. So now let's move on to Kelvin Banks. Sark said that he believes Kelvin Banks is a top five talent at the left tackle position. He said he believes that he could be a top five pick in the NFL draft at left tackle. He's also the number one offensive tackle in his class. So statistically, we know that Devin Campbell has the pedigree to be an NFL player. Because every number one recruit offensive line wise in their class for the last 14 years has been an NFL player. We know that Kelvin Banks has NFL potential because he's the top offensive lineman in his class, offensive tackle wise. And Sark says he sees a future left tackle top five pick potentially in Kelvin Banks at that position. Sark has NFL experience. Sark has college experience. Sark has been at USC, Alabama, Texas, Washington. Well, he's coached some of the best players in the country. I would think Sark knows what an NFL tackle looks like. So I'm going to defer to my head coach on this one, and I'm going to say Kelvin Banks is an NFL player. Will he be a top five pick in the draft? I'm not sure. Will he end up on somebody's NFL roster at the minimum of practice squad? I believe so. That's two NFL players. And I said before, I believe the third true freshman that will start is Cole Hudson. Early enrollee, dominated in the spring, worked his way up to first team reps. Everything we heard was he has the right mindset, a dog, role grader. Likes to bully in the trenches, has the right mindset. Sark and the coaching staff love him. Has the athletic pedigree. Shout out to his dad, former major league baseball player. Blue chip prospect, four-star recruit. I think he's made of the right stuff. And I think he has the talent to be an NFL player. But if not, I think he's going to be a really good college player. So why should you worry less about this offensive line? Because they're adding two NFL players to it. And potentially a third. And the best players in high school typically turn out to be the best players in college. And the best players in college typically turn out to be the best players in the NFL. So let me run through this again. For the last 14 years. 13, 14, the number one offensive line recruit in each class has made it to the NFL level. Devin Campbell's an NFL player. Kelvin Banks was the number one offensive tackle in this class in a loaded offensive line class. I'm not sure the route, but De but Kelvin Banks, I don't know if I said Devin Campbell, Kelvin Banks at offensive tackle is an NFL player. And I believe with the success that this football team has and will have over the next couple of years, 
and the pedigree that Cole Hudson has, he has every opportunity to be an NFL player. Are they the players today that they will be in 2024? No. Is there room for improvement? Of course. Will they have growing pains? Yes. But will this offensive line be better next year? Yes. Why, John? Because Sark is adding NFL players to this offensive line. And NFL players in college football typically do really well. And Texas now has three of them. We can say two to be safe. But I'm saying three of them on this offensive line. It's time to have some fun at the 40 acres. You know how our friends at Built are always coming out with amazing new flavors? Well, this time, Built has truly outdone themselves with their new mud pie flavor. And for the first time ever, Built is introducing the new mud pie flavor, uh, mud pie flavor in both mud pie bar and mud pie puff. Not sure what mud pie tastes like? Well, if you're a chocolate fan, you better sit down for this. The new mud pie bar is rich whipped cream and chocolate mousse smothered in 100% real chocolate and topped with cookies and cream crumble. You've got to try mud pie as soon as possible. You need to hurry because the mud pie bar and mud pie puff are only available for a limited time. Visit Bill.com to taste the deliciousness for yourself. Chocolate mousse, whipped cream, cookies and cream crumble. Stop drooling. Get to Bill.com to order your box of mud pie bars and puffs now. You won't regret it. Go to Bill.com. Use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Bill.com. So that was my spiel on why the offensive line will be better. Y'all let me know in the comments if I'm reaching, tripping, or if there's some truth to what I'm saying. I'll reiterate it again if, in case you just magically picked up at the 10-minute mark. But I said that Devin Campbell is an NFL player. I said that Kelvin Banks is an NFL player. And I said that Cole Hudson has everything he needs to be an NFL player. And I believe Sark is adding three NFL players to this offensive line. But let's talk about the offense in general and why this is the best offense in college football. So I pondered on it a little bit. And I was like, you know, I want to give deference to the Heisman winner in Alabama and Bryce Young. And of course, you have to talk about Ohio State. I mean, they have a receiver factory. And it starts with Jackson Smith and Jigba. Of course, C.J. Stroud. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to do some big things. And you also have to point to USC, what they've been able to bring in, bringing in Jordan Addison, bringing in Caleb Williams, what they've done through the transfer portal. You have to think that that offense is going to be explosive. But I think Texas trumps all of them. And here's why. So over the last couple of days, I've been looking, reading the tea leaves when I wasn't recording. And as y'all heard me mess up that built bar read, that's why you shouldn't take too much time off. And I'm looking at these on three college football impact scores. And first of all, I need to figure out who did these scoring because this scoring is way too generous. I feel like so they did the top 10 receivers and Xavier Worthy was number fifth rated at 98 overall. Isaiah Nair was number ninth, rated at 96 overall. The ninth best receiver in college football is a 96 overall. I think number 10 was 96 overall, too. 
feel like you're being a little generous with these grades, man. How do four or five receivers have the same grade as Jordan Addison, the Blitnikoff winner? I mean, I'm not saying Xavier Worthy's too high at 98. I'm not saying Isaiah Nair's too high at 96. I just think everybody's a little bit too high. If the 10th best receiver in college football is a 96 overall, either that or we about to see talent like we've never seen. But if Texas has two of the 10 best receivers in college football, according to on three, and they're rated as a 98 and 96 overall, respectively. And the rest of the country might not know what he brings to the table, but Texas fans know what Jordan Whittington is capable of. I'm a knock on wood and say that he's going to be healthy all year. Who's to say he's not a 93, 94 overall receiver, according to on three. We talked about Nick Saban on the podcast and how he said a Jai Hall might be the most talented receiver he's ever coached. Nick Saban has put six or seven receivers in the NFL in the first round. My favorite receiver ever, Julio Jones, went to Alabama. He said a Jai Hall might be more talented than all of them. If a Jai Hall gets it together, could he be in that upper 90 threshold? I mean, he was rated higher than Xavier Worthy coming out of high school. That doesn't mean anything now because we've seen what Xavier Worthy's done on the field and Ajay Hall lack thereof. But the talent is still there. He's still young. So could Texas have four of the best receivers in college football? And not just four of the best. I'm talking four 90-plus overall receivers, according to On3 College Football. And then you have Brennan Thompson, who since he's been on campus a couple of weeks, everybody's talked about how great he's looked. We know about the speed, but he's tough. And I think what surprised people so far is his route running. And Sark has repeatedly said that he's going to be a weapon this year. That's just the receiver room. Then they have Jaleel Billingsley ranked as the fifth best tight end in college football at a 96 overall score. And secondly, what is Georgia doing? They have three of the top tight ends in college football. That's exactly why Art's not going there. <laughs> just playing. I don't know where he's going. <laughs> but. Behind him, you have JT Sanders, a five-star prospect. And those are your tight ends? Jaleel Billingsley, who John Garcia, director of football recruiting, said has legitimate first-round NFL talent? Sheesh. Then we look at the running backs, who CBS Sports says we have the number one running back room in the country. Starts with B. John Robinson, who averaged 142 scrimmage yards a game last year and 5.8 yards per carry who everybody is saying is going to be a first-round pick in the NFL next year, when I was told that running backs are devalued and you should never take a running back in the first round, every mock I see has B. John Robinson in it, and they all say it's because he's different. May I interest you in the highest broken tackle rate out of any running back in the country last year? No? Okay. Can I interest you in the best passer rating when targeted out of any running back in the country last year? Let's talk about the running backs behind him. Roshan Johnson averaged six yards a carry on almost 100 attempts in 2021. Longest run was 72 yards behind a horrible offensive line. Bijan Robinson, 5.8 yards per carry behind a horrible offensive line. Keelan Robinson, 7.2 yards per carry. Longest carry last year, 65 yards behind a horrible offensive line. Jonathan Brooks, 6.8 yards per carry behind a horrible offensive line. 
Oh, yeah, I'm down to the fourth string running back now. Jaden Blue looks like a future star. I think Jonathan Brooks, Jaden Blue, and Keelan Robinson and Roshan Johnson would start for most teams in the Big 12. And those are our running backs to spell B. John Robinson. And then you look at Quinn Ewers, the person that's supposed to put it all together. I've already described the offensive line for the people that think the offensive line is going to hold this team back. But you look at Quinn Ewers, the glue who's supposed to put it all together. Highest ranked quarterback recruit since Vince Young. And I know the Texas haters want to say he's this and he's that and we don't know what he's going to do. He hasn't done it yet. We haven't seen him on the field. Let's just stop. Like I said, the best players in high school turn out to be the best players in college, which turn out to be the best players in the NFL. Quinn Ewers is going to be a really good quarterback at the University of Texas. He's being coached by one of the best in Sark. He has literally the best talent around him in the country, and he's arguably the most talented quarterback in the country. So let's just stop trying to convince ourselves that Quinn Ewers is not going to be Quinn Ewers. You put all that together, and not only the top-level talent, but the depth, when you can look at your fourth and fifth best running back and receiver and say that there could be the potentially the best on most teams, you're telling me Jonathan Brooks and Jaden Blue wouldn't be the best running back on most teams in the country? You're telling me a Jai Hall and Jordan Whittington wouldn't be the best receivers on most teams in the country? And all of them are in the burnt orange? And all of them are at Sark and Quinn Ewer's disposal? I gave deference to USC at first. I gave deference to Alabama. And I really like what they have at Ohio State. But nothing, and I mean nothing, in college football in 2022 can compare to what we have at the 40 acres. So really quickly, I want to get into Spencer Shannon, Mater D, tight end, three-star prospect. He committed. So the Texas Longhorns have their sixth recruit in their 2023 class. They have moved up to the 27th overall recruiting class. And I just want to talk about Mater D really quick. He comes from a factory. This is a high school that has produced three Heisman winners. A high school. One high school has produced three Heisman winners. Bryce Young, Matt Leinert, and John Horte, 1964, Notre Dame. Also, JT Daniels, who will be playing this year in West Virginia. I'm on Ross St. Brown, receiver for the Detroit Lions. If you're into fantasy, pick him up. Brew McCoy, y'all know that name. And then Colt Brennan, ninth all-time in passing yards in college football. And Matt Barkley. All went to Mater D. That's crazy. And so a quote from Spencer Shannon, 6'7", 240 pounds, raw, but you can't teach that size. He said, I like the way they use the tight end in their offense, especially the Y. I really like the way they see me fitting in their offense. Now, this is the first tight end to commit under tight end and special teams coach Jeff Banks. And so Chris Singletary of 24-7 talked about how he has great size. You can't teach that, 6'7", 240. He's a raw prospect, but he's still scratching the surface. He has a lot of room to improve in the pass game, in the blocking game. But I think that tight end may be the most difficult position to transition from high school to college because so many people use the tight end differently. And especially in high school where there's so much ground and pound, a lot of your tight ends are just made to block. And if they're not great blocking consistently, even though they're used to be blocking tight ends, 
that's going to show up on the scouting report. And if you're at a school like Mater D, who has a D1 running back who went to USC, they're going to feed him the ball over and over and over again. So you're not going to get much opportunity to showcase your pass catching ability either. And so I think that he has a lot of work to do. But I think when you look at tight ends and especially Spencer Shannon, Sark can look at a player like him and say, okay, if we can develop him, if we can develop his route running, if we can develop his pass catching, if we can develop his blocking, he has the size, the frame, the elusivity, and the agility to move. If we can get the most out of a player his size with his movement skills, he'll be a dominant matchup nightmare. I don't know if he'll ever turn into that, but that's what you see in that body, in that frame. And that's what you project and hope that you can get the most out of him. So nonetheless, a really good pickup from Mater D. And I always love it when we can get out outside of Texas and go get those prospects from California. Who he picked over UCLA and Washington. Said he wanted to come to Texas. Academic reasons. Football reasons. Good pickup. And I look at it. Texas still hasn't had the big splash in the 2023 recruiting class. I think Ryan Niblett may have been a little underrated. He's listed as the 75th overall prospect in the country. So he's one of the best players in the country. Um, and I don't know if he got that reception when he committed to the University of Texas. But outside of that, we haven't had the big splash yet. I know we're waiting on an Arch. We're waiting on a Jonte. We're waiting on a, a Ruben Owens or a Cedric Baxter. But these are the ancillary pieces of the class that you bring in that are starting to materialize, that are starting to add up. So then when you add the, the booms in the Arches and the booms in the Jontes and the booms in the Rubens and the booms in the Cedrics, it really fills out the class. So I know this is teasing us and it's not what we want yet, but it's always good to see a commitment in a new member of the 40 Acres. Let's hold on. Because when those big dominoes start to drop, so only going to remind you that's all gas, no brakes at the 40 acres. And speaking of all gas, no brakes, I have to shout out our women's softball team, the first non-seeded team to ever make it to the final. Of course, they're going up against a juggernaut, a UConn women's basketball type juggernaut in Oklahoma softball, who I think has won six national championships now i think they've been to six or seven finals in the last 10 years they've won it back to back jocelyn allo might be the greatest softball player of all time and they did out went out there and did what oklahoma does but texas accomplished some things this season that nobody saw coming and they went out there and they fought hard against a juggernaut and ultimately they fell short but i want to give them some love on the podcast shout out to the women's softball team for making it all the way to the final and representing the 40 acres well. And now for the men. We've talked all year about them making the Omaha. Like it was a foregone conclusion. And there were bumps in the road. A lot more bumps than we thought. There were times where we talked about this team going undefeated. And then there were times where we're like, this team isn't going to host a regional. They're not going to make it to Omaha. Well, they did. And they showed a lot of resolve and fight in that ECU series. Because there were multiple times where ECU looked like they had it wrapped up. And we were going to be talking about what if for this Texas season. But now we're here. The number one seed in Tennessee has been knocked off. And most betting sites have Texas as the betting favorite to win the College World Series. And what I love about it is that if we win the College World Series, 
that means that we had to go through either Texas A&M or Oklahoma to get there. And that's only going to make it so much sweeter. So Texas, Ivan Melendez, Tristan Stevens, and Pete Hansen, and Dylan Campbell, Trey Faltine, go out there and make us proud. Go out there and get it done. It's the University of Texas at Omaha. We're all watching. We're all rooting. We're all supporting. Bring it home, baby. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Longhorns, your daily number one source for all things Texas athletics, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Take a deep breath. Inhale. This offensive line is going to be good in 2022. This football team is going to be good in 2022. And this baseball team is going to show out this weekend in Omaha. Longhorn Nation, peace.